Welcome to the Choosing to Stay podcast. We're your hosts, Hallie Roderick and Stephanie Hamby, certified relationship and recovery coaches. And we specialize in supporting couples who are healing from infidelity and betrayal. We invite you to join us each week as we explore the challenges and joys of the recovery journey for couples who are choosing to stay in a relationship after betrayal. We'll encourage you with hope for healing and transformation. Connection, empathy, growth, choosing to stay. Welcome to today's episode of the Choosing to Stay podcast. So happy that you joined us today as we are going to discuss something that we support our couples who are a little farther along in recovery with. And when we're talking a little farther along in recovery, a couple of years in where things seem to be going well, but yet there's still challenges. And when we first started talking about making this podcast, that was one of the things is that even when you choose to stay, it doesn't mean that everything is always rainbows and butterflies and everything's good all the time, but there's still challenges that come up. And I think that's true with any relationship and particularly it's true after there's been betrayal in a relationship. And so we're going to talk today about some of the challenges that couples farther along in recovery face and hopefully give you some practical tools that you can use and some awarenesses that you can take into your own relationships and try to help yourselves work through some of those challenges. I think one of the first things that we ought to talk about is that when we're working with couples who are in the earlier phases of healing and in the crisis mode and in the trust building and safety creating phases of the relationship, there is oftentimes kind of an attitude or a mindset of, okay, if he or she can just calm down, then we can get back to the way things were and then we'll be fine. And I would encourage or challenge you to kind of shift that mindset that we don't want to get back to the way things were because the way things were is what led you to where you are today. And so I kind of always think of this analogy of like building a home. And if the foundation is cracked, we wouldn't just ignore it. We would have to go and fix the foundation. And many times that would require digging it out and starting all over again. And that's what I think we need to do with relationships. We need to go back and see where the cracks in the foundation were in the relationship prior to everything coming out. And let's go back and, and really do some good work there so that we don't have similar issues come up years or months down the road. And so sh shifting your mindset into thinking that we're creating a new type of relationship and it's going to be a new and improved type of relationship. And we're not going to go back to our old patterns of behavior like we've had in the past. Yeah. This thought popped in my head whenever you were mentioning that it's like a lot of the initial stages of healing and recovery for the couple or this, the relational repair is, is the repair piece. So we're working on repairing and mending all the pain and all the heartache that has come into the relationship. Almost all of my couples, they're like, I need benchmarks. Like I need to know I've reached this mark. And so that we can keep moving forward or like, oh, we've reached that. And now we can put it beneath us. So healing is not linear. We're not reaching these benchmarks. So while we're in this repair phase, if by learning the tools and the structure, there's a lot of movement, it can feel very like we're moving and progressing really at this like consistent rate. 
what I tend to see happen with couples who have been in recovery and healing for some time, they reach these conflicts. It can feel as if we're not making progress like we used to. So in the repair phase, it feels very like movement oriented. And then now we are working to build on what we already have. So we're utilizing what we already have and building and growing. And I don't know, I was just thinking about that. Like it can feel like the movement is less and we don't know how to access this season that we're in or like what we need for the season, but it's very similar mm-hmm. to all the things you learn in the beginning, the repair process, and then continuing to grow and build upon that. Yeah. And that brings up another thing that I think is important for the one who has acted out is that they continue to create that safety and they continue to be trustworthy. They continue to be a safe place for their partner to communicate strong emotions or things that are coming up. And actually, I think it's important for both parties to be able to do that and continue to have an awareness of things that are coming up for them, really continuing to do the emotional awareness, emotional intelligence work where you're consciously paying attention to what's happening for you. And when appropriate, you're expressing needs in an assertive and respectful way. And you can kind of do some give and take in that area where you are both doing that and you're receiving those communications without defensiveness. And so I I think that continual work in that, we can't just do that initially and then go, okay, we're good. We have to really take that on as a new skill or a new habit for ourselves as we're moving forward. Yeah. Well, the attunement is huge because being attuned to self, one, that self-awareness, am I attuned to what is coming up for me? And am I managing this and regulating this with the tools and resources that I have picked up or learned how to use? And then also, am I attuned to my partner's needs? What I see a lot that happens is they learn all these tools and they're using them. And then we get you know, several months out and there's almost like a complacency or a passivity that happens. Well, we're good now. We don't have the sexual acting out behaviors. We're both in active recovery. We are safe and good. And so the growth doesn't continue. Their complacency and passivity come in. And what I will notice is that if we aren't attuned to each other's needs or uh, emotions, then we move or can revert back into those old patterns, like acting in behaviors and behaviors that are not serving the relationship. So those protective barriers come back up, not sharing needs anymore. We're not communicating on a deeper emotional level. I'm expecting my partner to read my mind. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. all those things start seeping back in. And then we are trying to resolve conflict because we weren't utilizing tools due to complacency. Yeah. And when we're talking about utilizing tools, one of the things that also comes up to me is not going to that place of ignoring things when they're happening. Um, We all maybe have different protective mechanisms. And sometimes if we don't like conflict, it's tempting to just ignore things, which doesn't always serve us well. And so being able to stay out of those bunkers, whatever your bunker is, whether you get really big or whether you shut down or whether you avoid or you just let things slide under the rug because you don't like conflict. I think that's a dynamic that is a really good thing to look at in a relationship and work to shift that 
where you can have open dialogue about concerns and things without the other one getting offended or dropping into shame. A lot of times there's that shame piece that when there's someone that's for the person that's acted out, shame has been a, a roadblock to healthy communication in the past. And if we're not careful, that will creep in real easy. And you might tend to go to defense mode or blame shifting or some of those other unhealthy communication patterns that might have been present in the past will start to creep in again. And it's, we sort of have to have a self-reflection mode. And when we notice those things, we got to take a step back and go, okay, what's, ha what's happening. This is feeling familiar in a not good way, you know, not in a, in a comfortable way. Yeah. I often use the word that our old comfort zone is now really uncomfortable when we start to slip or slide back into just kind of letting some of our healthy habits or healthy tools slip a little bit. We slip back into a comfort zone that's no longer comfortable. No. And it can cause a lot of fear for a betrayed partner if they see the one that's acted out getting lax on their recovery work because that feels familiar to them to the time prior to when everything kind of exploded or when, when things got really bad. And so really having that self-awareness and being able to go, okay, hold on a minute. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I notice for myself, if my self-care and, and my routine of doing good things for myself to kind of keep myself in a good place starts to slip a little bit, I notice that I am way less patient I'm more irritable. The resentment comes up easy. And so for myself, I have to be very consciously aware when I start to slide a little bit and I know exactly why I'm like, all right, I got to get back on my good habits and my good routine of being mindful and journaling and really having emotional awareness. And it's hard to do when life gets busy and life comes at you and things are stressful, but it has to be a priority going forward for both of us. Yeah. What you just were talking about the fam familiarity and how trauma is like seeing familiar things or the body recognizes. So our body keeps score of trauma. So whether we had a logical awareness of what was happening while there was acting out, our body was picking up on all of those things and it will use it as a protective measure. Oh, this looks familiar. This behavior looks familiar. The smell, the sight, whatever it is, it looks familiar to me. And if it starts seeping back in those behaviors like defensiveness and blame shifting and minimizing those like seep back in the, the partner's body immediately responds to that as trauma. The body keeps the score. It recognizes those things and familiarity can really induce like activation really quickly because it feels like we are now moving into a direction that caused a lot of pain in our past. So Yes the body keeps a score on that. It recognizes when familiar things come up. There's an acronym though, the HALT acronym. Okay. And this is when I know to not take a step forward into whatever um, behavior that was causing me harm or was destructive. So HALT stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. Mm -hmm. I don't need to make life altering decisions or do something that could be unhealthy choice. And that was exactly what I heard whenever you're saying that it's like when we have these seasons of our life, maybe our self-care is not the best it could be because there are so many things pulling at us that are just, we can't take off the calendar, whatever. 
it's in those seasons that we experience that halt. <laughs> and this yeah. is, you don't make rash decisions. If you feel the need to explode <laughs> or be big to your partner, we know that this is coming from some other area and I need to find a resource that is healthy to release this or whatever. So yes, yeah. seasons change. And there are times that our self-care is just not the best. And if we're not having that, then that's what leads to our resentment and all the other things coming up. I know if I am emotionally tired, all the things will come back up. I mean, it's like resentment just spills. Like my body is looking for reasons to validate all of my needs are not getting met. So it's a good check on self. Yeah. So the halt was hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Those are good just awarenesses, I think, to have. Okay, am I in one of these states? And I think when we are, mm-hmm. then we need to give ourselves attention to yeah. take care of our basic self-care needs when we're in that space. Because if we take care of those things early, then they don't build. And that's one thing, too, that I talk a lot to my partners at all phases of the relationship with is if there's something coming up for you, address it early. Instead of letting it build and build and build, because if you let it build, then the chances of you being able to maintain your, your composure and show up in the way that you want to without your emotional brain hijacking all of your logic is diminished. And so if there's something that's coming up for you, or there's a story that your brain is creating, because our brains are really good at creating stories and making meaning out of things. And the meaning may or may not be legit for the other person address those early. And if you can talk about them earlier, then you have a better chance of having a productive conversation around it. And it also makes me think about, and this all kind of falls into communication and the way we communicate, but can we communicate our needs from a place of, you know, when this happens, I feel, and not from a place of accusation or criticism with our partner, because those would be patterns of communication that I think we need to root out from our old relationship. And even as we're in recovery, we need to continue to shift into more healthy styles of communication. And I think that's a big one. I would say early and more often, if needs be, then ignore and brush under the rug until it builds and builds and then you explode. So if, if you feel like a dormant volcano, that's just kind of bubbling underneath the surface, there's your cue to address it, whether with yourself or with some support or with your spouse, if need be, before the dormant volcano becomes a full-blown active volcano and there's hot ash on everybody. Well, and that, I think you touched on it a minute ago was the assertiveness. And that's should be something that you learn in early recovery of how to put a voice to what is coming up for you. So maybe even, I guess it was our episode before this one, talking about finding that calm, grounded, neutral place in myself to empower Mm -hmm. me to be able to put this voice and have assertiveness and, and share. And yes, the earlier, the better, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it is, I mean, I know in my own life, like I can, I'll just be like, uh, it's not that big of a deal or whatever the self-talk is that I do. And like, oh, we don't have time for it. Our schedule's too busy. If I bring this up, then we aren't going to have time to finalize the discussion and, So all these things come up for me that I will talk myself out of it. And then it just builds and builds. And here we are two weeks later and 
I'm that active volcano, like ready to yeah. erupt. So yes, it's definitely something put the boys to it sooner. Maybe we don't have time to finish the discussion right now, but I need to go ahead and get this out. Yeah. I was also thinking about that whole concept. I think I've talked about before of the four seasons mm -hmm. of kind of getting your expectations in a place of reality is that there's so much pain when you're in the early phases of this healing that you want to have this unrealistic expectation of your relationship that it's that we're going to heal from this and then we're never going to have conflict ever again and we're going to be good everything's going to be good and we're going to be always connected and i don't really know of anybody that even in recovery that has mm -hmm. that type of relationship where there's never any conflict there's always just great intimate connection there's challenges even in healthy relationships and so I guess expecting those and knowing that it doesn't have to send you into what I used to call crisis mode of like, oh my gosh, here we are again. This is never going to work. I don't know why we're even trying. I shouldn't stay, blah, blah, blah. And just expecting that we're going to have things that are going to come up and we're going to have to work through them, but knowing how to work through them in a more healthy way. And this is where you'll get to where you'll notice that the big conflicts don't come as often. And when they do, you can work through them more quickly mm -hmm. and get back to connection after the conflict in more quickly, where early in recovery, it may take days or weeks or months for the conflict to ever feel like it settles a little bit farther down the road of recovery. You get, it's like the roller coaster kind of smooths out and the ups and downs are not as extreme, but they're still going to come. And so if we can expect those and just know that I, I like to think of it as like, okay, it's sad that we're here right now. I wish we weren't here right now. And this is our next opportunity for growth. And I know that based on our history of the past, we'll be able to work through this and we'll get back to connection. It's important for both of you to be able to have your voice mm -hmm. and to be heard and to be seen and to be understood. And when you can get to that place in your recovery then conflict isn't so much of crisis, but it can lead you to connection. Yeah. And also with the conflict, and we've said it before on this podcast is conflict breeds intimacy, which mm -hmm. is what we are working towards in relational repair and even continuing on to have a healthy relationship is, can I show up as my authentic self for who I truly am and be fully loved, seen, heard, all the things. So conflict breeds intimacy. Intimacy takes intentionality. There has to be very intentional. And that means when there's conflict, instead of avoiding and running away and stuffing, ignoring, whatever, all the things we used to do that did not serve us well, they weren't healthy options, is we are moving towards that, which takes intentionality. I'm moving towards conflict, which will help not promote me into this crisis mode. I can processes. I can work through this conflict in a healthy way because I have the tools and the mm -hmm. resources and I've learned how to handle this in a, in a healthy way. And you're breeding and building intimacy when you do that. Yeah. I like that phrase move toward mm -hmm. oftentimes. And especially when we're not in a healthy place, when there's conflict, our tendency is to move away. Like we don't yeah. want to be involved in it. And so if you can think of that, like as a move toward when conflict comes up and the other thing, when you were talking about showing up as our authentic selves and being fully seen, 
it's also, I think that goes both ways, like allowing our partner to do the same thing mm -hmm. and to fully see them and know them for who they are. Sometimes we're not going to agree. Sometimes I don't understand my partner's perspective or it doesn't make sense to me or we experienced the same thing and he or she had a totally different experience with it, yeah. but allowing them to show up as their true authentic selves and having that be a reciprocal thing is also very intimacy building. Yeah. Well, providing the space that's safety and providing that safe space where the person can show up as that. I think it's huge. Like, are we both being the place where our partner can come to us and share those maybe stronger emotions that yeah. didn't feel the best or they don't feel the best. They're uncomfortable. And without the need to fix. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope that some of the things that we've talked about today, maybe some of them hit home for you. Maybe some of them are familiar to you. And most importantly, we hope that you have gotten some ideas of things that you might be able to take and start to work on and implement in your own relationship to continue to move forward in your healing and your progress and create a type of relationship that maybe you've never had before in good ways. And we hope that you've gotten some nuggets from us today and we hope that you'll join us next week. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to the Choosing to Stay podcast. If you have enjoyed this show, we invite you to subscribe, share, and leave us a review. Connection, empathy, and growth. Choosing to Stay.